If someone told you back in December that this coming Easter, all services across the world were going to be closed down and you'd have to have them uh, digitally instead of in person, would you believe them? They could have told you that a virus was coming and it was going to change the way we did life. It was going to close our schools and businesses. My guess is you would have laughed just like I would have. No one would have believed it. In fact, on January 20th, when the first case of coronavirus hit the U.S., we didn't believe that it was going to change our entire way of life. I know, I know, you were the guy who knew, you got all the TP and the pasta. Thanks, by the way, that was awesome. The, the truth is, you didn't know, and I didn't know either. Once COVID-19 hit towards the end of December, there was just a small few people who kind of knew what was happening in China that had an idea that it might change our lives. But back in early December, no one knew what COVID-19 was. There was no way of knowing how this was going to change our lives. You wouldn't have believed in a disease like this because it just sounded so crazy. You would have had plenty of reason to be skeptical and to doubt. In our lifetime, we've never seen anything like this. But, but, but at some point in the process, we began to believe what we began to see, didn't we? Things began to cancel, like the NBA and other sports teams. And then Governor Mills kind of put that first lockdown in place and the second lockdown in place. The vast majority of people never would have predicted that a virus would have been able to cause this kind of damage. Sports closing, businesses closing, schools closing, lines outside of grocery stores just to get your essentials. Churches not being able to gather in person, but to have to do services online. What's obvious, though, is that at some point, we began to believe. At some point, even though we didn't believe before, we began to believe because we began to see it affect our families and our communities. And every single day, it begins to affect us. Today is Easter, and across the world, churches are gathering online to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe you feel a little bit like that today, like you would have if someone told you about the COVID virus back in December. Maybe you feel like, how in the world can I believe in a man who lived 2,000 years ago and predicted his own death and resurrection? That's impossible because death is final. The resurrection is impossible. You'd have every reason to doubt. You'd have every reason to be skeptical about this. Have you ever seen someone come back to life? Have you ever seen miracles? Believing for us is always connected to seeing. So we have doubts and things that we can't see. What's interesting, though, is that the disciples didn't believe it either. The guys that followed Jesus during his life, they didn't believe it. After seeing all the miracles and seeing this incredible teaching that Jesus did, the guys who heard him say that he was going to die and come back to life, they didn't believe. Nobody was expecting to see Jesus again after his crucifixion. In fact, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they all say uh, that, that this is true, but they write themselves into the story not as heroes. They write themselves in the story as doubters, as people who didn't believe because who would believe somebody coming back to life? They, 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 just, they just didn't believe a lot like we wouldn't. Not many people doubt that a man named Jesus lived and died. Not many people doubt that he taught some amazing things. Not many people doubt, doubt uh, any of those things because it's rational to have somebody. We've heard good teaching. We've seen people uh, um, live and we've seen people die, but we've never seen come, somebody come back to life. That's, that's where our story gets a little interesting. It, it, is that the, the, the challenge with, with, with the whole story of Jesus and with his disciples is that Jesus just didn't die and stay dead. Jesus came back to life. We've been in a series called Bystander, and last week we were talking about uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. And Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, was brought back to life. Jesus chose this moment to make kind of this pinnacle statement that he was going to change the way the world was going to, to, to be forever, that, that he was the, the, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and when he rose Lazarus back fr uh, from dead to life, it, it just spread throughout the nation. There was this uproar. There was people gathering and following Jesus. They were going to declare him their king. But, but 
But the, the religious people, the people who stood against Jesus, they thought this is enough. We've got to put, a, put an end to this. In their words, they said, we've got, to, we've got to put an end to Jesus before the whole world follows after him. Jesus is making his way into the city and the city is crowded and there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people out there uh, um, ready to kind of welcome him in. And the religious leaders put a plan in place. We're going we're gonna to get him. We're going to get him when he comes into the, into the city to celebrate the, the Passover, the, the, the remembrance of what God did for this nation of, of Israel, setting them free from Egyptian captivity. And maybe God would do it again. Maybe this was the Passover, that God would do something and set the Israelites free once again from Roman captivity. So Jesus makes his way into the city and they, they, they're, they're planned. It's kind of sneaky, right? We got to get him away from the crowd because all these people are following him. We'll wait till maybe Passover's like over with and Passover's done and we'll try to isolate him and then we'll get him and then we'll be able to convince Rome to put an end to this guy, Jesus. Well, Judas has kind of had enough of Jesus' antics. Judas decides once they make their way into the city that, that he's done and that he's going to, to, to make a deal to end Jesus. And he tells the religious leaders, I can get him alone. I can isolate him. I, I can get him so that you can come and you can arrest him. And Jude, Jesus, or Judas rather, makes his, his deal. J- Judas is patient. Jesus is, is, is in the nation for, of, of Israel, sorry, in the city of Israel for uh, about a week. And, and on uh, the night he gathers with his 12 to, to have their, their Passover feast, he, he brings them together and he begins to, to declare uh, um, that he is the king and this new covenant that he's establishing and this, this new command that he's giving them. And they're thinking, surely this is the time. He's going to tear off his rabbinic robe and put on his, his kingly robe and he's going to set us free. Surely he's going to do something significant for us. But what unbeknownst then they didn't realize that Jesus was going to do something, but it wasn't just going to be for them. It was going to be for you and it was going to be for me. It was going to be for the whole world. Judas makes his play and Jesus later on that night, he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying and Judas brings um, the religious leaders, the the, the temple guard in to arrest Jesus. They bring him before Pilate to make their case uh, that Jesus is guilty and that he must die. Pilate says, there's no guilt in this man. What if I just flog him? I'll, I'll, just, I'll just flog him and, and, and I'll beat him and, and, and I'll blood him up a little bit. And then surely you guys, you'll, you'll let him free because there's nothing. He's not guilty of anything. So <clears throat> Pilate has him flogged. He has him beaten. He has him bloodied and battered and bruised. Jesus is almost unrecognizable. And then Pilate presents him to, to the crowd and he says, look, here's the man who claims to be your king. Surely this is enough. And they say, no. The crowd responds, no, crucify him. He must die. He is an enemy to us. He is an enemy to you. And if you're a friend of Caesar, you must kill him. And Pilate resentfully condemns Jesus to death. Jesus is forced to carry his cross through the city up to the hill called the skull. And he, John records that he dies and, and, and when they nail him to the cross, they hang him between two thieves. John was there and John records this last event with Jesus and his last words. He's, he, he's, he doesn't want to look, but, but he can't look away because he's just awestruck. This was his rabbi. This was his friend. This was his Messiah. And Jesus looks down and he says, John, Mary is now your mother. Mary, John is now your son. Basically saying, John, take care of my mom. Then he says, it's finished. And John records that, that Jesus then hung his head and died. And, and, and John's writing all this and he says, I'm writing all this. And he kind of takes a step out of his story to say, uh, because I want you to know, I want you to know the, the, the amazing truth. I want you not just to know. He said, I want you to believe. And, and for us, it's like, well, this, this sounds all believable, doesn't it? Like a, a, a teacher, a rabbi, you know, proclaimed things that he couldn't substantiate. So they, they arrested him and they, they crucified him. That's what Rome did. Totally believable. And John would say, no, no, not that part. 
Here's the part I want you to believe. And this part is where it gets a little hard. This is where our story picks up. After Jesus was crucified, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Why? Because you couldn't, you couldn't bury a, a body that was crucified. You had, to bribe, uh, you had to bribe somebody for it. So they essentially bribed Pilate. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who was with Jesus earlier in John's gospel, who had visited with Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Why? Because he brought all this to embalm Jesus because they expected Jesus to be dead. Nobody expected Jesus to be alive. Nobody expected Jesus to come back to life. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the, with the Jewish burial custom. John's giving us details because he wants everyone to know what happened at this place. He wants everyone to know, anyone, regardless of when you read this, that this is true. At that place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation... And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there, or essentially they had to hurry. The sun was setting and then it was going to be the Sabbath and you were forbidden to do any kind of work on the Sabbath. So they had to take Jesus off the, off the cross and hurry kind of and to embalm him and wrap him in clothes and, and put him in because this was, this was the end. And John and Peter were there and, and then, you know, they had the slaves roll the, the, the stone in front of the tomb and John and Peter left. And we're not really sure what they did. We're not really sure what they said, but we do know this much. We know that, that wherever they went, they, they went defeated. They went knowing or, or believing rather that this was the end, that, that all of their life's work for the last three years that they've invested in was, was for nothing, that it was a waste of time, a waste of life because their teacher, their Messiah had died. But then John tells us the, the next morning, something happens. The next morning they're awakened by a knock at the door and they probably think it's the Roman soldiers coming to get them because there's, there's a price on their head. But the Roman soldiers don't knock, they kick the door down. But somebody there, they're banging on the door and sure enough, John and Peter open the door and it's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' followers. She loved Jesus. She, she adored Jesus because Jesus made, made her feel empowered. Jesus, Jesus not just performed miracles for people, but Jesus, he elevated the people around him. He, he gave rights to women that never had rights. He gave rights to children that never had rights. Mary was one of those people. She adored him. She was one of his closest followers. And she, she comes banging on the door, screaming. And, and they open the door. And as she's sobbing, you can just imagine th these words coming out of her mouth. She's sobbing. And John and Peter, and they open the door. And she says this, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they put him. Guys, we went to the tomb to kind of finish the embalming process because you guys had to rush it and, you know, guys never do a good job. So the woman went back to fix it and, and, and we got there and the stone had been rolled away and the body was gone. And, and here's the thing. She didn't expect a resurrection. She went to, to finish embalming the body, but the body wasn't there. She didn't expect a resurrection. She assumed what anyone would have assumed in the first century, that the body had been taken, that somebody had come and they weren't sure who, but they had taken the body and they had kind of stolen the body away. John and Peter knew where Jesus' body was. And, and in this moment, although they were fearful the night before, there's a sense of urgency. So John says, so Peter and the other disciples, John speaking about himself, they started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is John's way of saying, and I, I think this is, this is just kind of my interpretation of the events. I think when John's recounting this story later, he kind of chuckled like, okay, you know, Peter at this point, he, he's, he's dead. He had died under Nero's Rome. And, and he's probably thinking, he's not going to get mad at me for this because he's already dead. So I just want you to know, I was faster than Peter. I got there first. Everybody kind of applauded. And then he said, but, but if I'm going to be honest there, I also have to be honest about this. Although I got to the tomb first, I also bent over and I looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But I did not go in. 
Now, why didn't John go in? Maybe because it was dark, maybe because it was a tomb, maybe because it was scary. He, he didn't go in because he wasn't expecting to find a resurrected Savior. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb. And why would Peter go in? Because that's what Peter does. Simon Peter's the, 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 the type A person. He's driven and he's just going to run right in. And He ran right in and, and, and he looked. And John says that we looked and he saw the, the strangest thing. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. And what he's saying there is he's actually saying that there's all this detail here because he wants you to know that if somebody came to steal Jesus' body, they wouldn't have taken the time to debalm or unembalm his body. They would have just taken the body and everything with it and left, but they didn't. There were strips of linen lying there in separate places where they should be. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And John said, now this is me. And then now John gives us the form that's been throughout his entire gospel. John says, I, I didn't believe, I doubted, I, I doubted, I doubted. And, and then I ran. And, and here's what happened. He, he said, I, I, I finally built up the courage to go in. And I saw. And then I put two and two together. And I believed. And suddenly it dawned on John that everything Jesus said was true. That everything Jesus said about God the Father, everything Jesus said about, about life and the afterlife and, and how to live, it's true. All, all the conversations they had with Jesus. One at the Passover dinner with Philip, where Philip said, Jesus, would you show us what, what God is like? And Jesus responded with, hey, hey P Philip, guys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, I, you'll, I'm as, as close as you'll ever be to understanding what the Father is like here on earth. Guys, you should know this. It, it, it's me. And if, if this is true, if what Jesus said is accurate, then everything Jesus said is true. And, and John's life is completely changed. I mean, after all, John couldn't have imagined. I mean, after all, who could imagine? Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? Jesus just empowered everyone around him. He, he, he brought everyone up. He lifted everyone up. The God of ages has stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. No one, no one would have known this. No one would have expected this. And John would say in this moment, he said, I don't know how to, how to tell you this, except in the beginning was the word and it was, it was God. I saw God put on flesh and become a man and dwell among us. It was like the light of the world had come into the world and the light shined so brightly, it was impossible to resist. It's like, guys, everything Jesus had said was true. When Jesus died, we unbelieved, we didn't believe. We, we, we kind of went away. We, no one was, was confident that this was going to, 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 to change anything. Everybody doubted. But when I can put those two things together, everything changes today. And that's what Easter is about. Everything changing in this moment. What's interesting is that all the disciples scattered. It wasn't just John and Peter. There was a price on their heads. And some of them went back to Bethany where Lazarus was. Some of them ran kind of off to other places. But there's one conversation that John records. And there's many conversations that Jesus had after he was resurrected from the dead. In the book of John, you should read it. It's amazing. But one conversation I, I just want to point towards quickly. It's a conversation he has with one of his disciples, a man named Thomas. Thomas wasn't with his disciples. John actually tells us this. Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, hey, hey Thomas, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, you, you, you weren't here, but, but, but we have seen him. Thomas, I'm sure as after he kind of ran away when Jesus was arrested and then crucified, he, he, he 
began to hear these stirrings that Jesus, sightings of Jesus, Jesus was around again and he, he came back into the city to be with his disciples, his friends, and they say, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But, but Thomas was skeptical. Thomas isn't just going to believe it because somebody says it. Th Thomas is like, no, no, guys, I just spent the last three years of my life ch chasing and, and following after this Messiah who, who died. I I'm not just going to spend the rest of my life chasing after a ghost. Thomas didn't believe because Thomas didn't see. And maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. It's really hard to believe something when you don't see it. And after all, how can we believe in this? How can we believe in a man who would predict his own death and resurrection and then actually do these things? That's just impossible. It doesn't happen. Thomas says this. His response is great. He says, Thomas then says to him, hey guys, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. I won't. I can't do it. John, I love you. Peter, I love you. I trust you guys. I, I, but your word's not good enough for me to do this. I will not believe. John says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, this time with Thomas. And John says, I know this sounds crazy. He said, but I want you to know that my testimony is true. I, I'm writing all of this so you can believe. And I know this sounds crazy. Well, we're sitting in there and Thomas is with us. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And why did Jesus say peace be with you? Because he scared us to death. And then Jesus looks at Thomas. And says, hey, Thomas, put your fingers here. See, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. And then he says something that kind of gets lost in all of our English translations, but, but, but the, the actual Greek phrase is just so incredible. So we're going to look at that. He says, hey, Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas, do not be unbelieving. Don't, don't buy into this, this skepticism. Don't, don't be an unbeliever. Don't be a doubter. Thomas, don't let the guys here fool you, right? No, none of these disciples believed me until they saw me. None of them hung around the tomb waiting for me to come back to life. They all doubted just like you did. Don't let them give you bad nicknames, calling you Doubt and Thomas. They all doubted. But, but, but Thomas, I, I, I want you to believe. Don't be an unbeliever. Be a believer. And then Thomas' response is, is beautiful. He says, my, my Lord and my God, or in other words, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe it's you. I, I, there's no way, how could I not believe? And then Jesus looks at him and, and he says this incredible thing. I, I love this. He says, Thomas, basically, because you've seen me, you have believed and Thomas, I'm so glad you have. But then he, Jesus takes an, an immediate kind of step out of this context. And, and he says something, and believe this or not, he says something to you and he says something to me. And, and it's so powerful. He says, Thomas, you, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those who come in, in, in the future generations. Blessed are those who, John, who are going to read your, your document, your gospel. Blessed are those who are going to, Matthew, are going to read your gospel. Peter, who are going to read your letters. Blessed are those who are going to believe and, and have not yet seen. And John would say, that's, this is the whole point. Guys, I, 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 want you, I want you to believe. I don't want, just want you to know, but I, I, I want you to believe. And I know, I know you in the 21st century sitting at your homes in the middle of this pandemic, 
I, I know you don't, you're not gonna have the opportunity like, like I had to see and to experience and, and to be with Jesus so that you could believe. He says, so, so let me write these words in a way. Let me, let me pick through all of the miracles and all of the events because there were so many. As a matter of fact, John says this, that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He says, but here's what I want to do. I, I, I want to pick through these and I want to find the ones. And, and I, want, I, I want to write about them in such a way that you would not just, just read them, but that you would see them the way I saw them, that you would hear the words the way I heard the words so that you may believe. He says this, and this is amazing. This is, this is kind of his agenda for the whole gospel. These signs, these miracles, these things that we've discussed, I've chosen them so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I want you to believe in, and then I want you to trust it. I want you to believe that he is the Messiah, the son of God. And then I want you to do something with that belief. I, I want you to place your belief. I want you to, to place your trust in him so that you may have life in his name. He's saying, guys, I, I don't want you to miss this. this. I'm not writing this for knowledge sake. I'm writing this so that you might believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I'm writing this so that you might not just believe, but so that, that, that you might trust him, that you might take your trust and put your trust in him. He said it another way after spending his whole life with Jesus. He said, for God so loved the world that God would send his only son, Jesus, into this world to, to, to bear your sin, to bear your shame, to bear your guilt. And that whoever would believe in him, whoever would, would, would believe and trust in him, they wouldn't be lost to God forever, but they would have life. He said, that's ultimately what I want for you. I want you to have life. Maybe this morning you feel a little bit like Thomas. Maybe you feel like, how can I believe? It just, it's impossible to believe. John would say, here's, here's why I want you to believe. Because if you could see what I saw, if you could, if you could hear what I heard, you would put the two and two together and you would know Jesus is who he always said that he was. And I want you to have that experience. You see, we don't believe in Jesus because a, a book told us so. We believe in Jesus because Matthew, who was a tax collector, followed Jesus. And Matthew documented all of the events around Jesus' life in, in his gospel. And Matthew said, I believe. We, we, we follow because there was a Greek named Mark who was best friends with Peter. And he got Peter's story out of him and he kind of documented it. And at the end of it all, he, he said, I didn't spend any time with Jesus, but I believe because of what Peter said. It's just that overwhelming. We, we believe because a guy named John, who, who was Jesus' friend and Jesus' disciple, traveled around with Jesus and documented all of these amazing things that Jesus did. I, I, I believe because th there was, there was this, this guy, right? There was this, there was this guy named Luke who was a, also a Greek. He was a physician and he traveled around interviewing eyewitnesses. And at the end of all of it, he even spent time with the Apostle Paul. At the end of all of it, he said, here's what I know to be true after spending all of this time researching and interviewing is that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. We believe because Peter, who spent time with Jesus, Peter, the, 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 the adventurous, Peter, the, the, the run in the tomb kind of guy, wrote two letters. And at the end of those letters, it's clear that he believed not just that Jesus lived, but that he also died and that he was resurrected. We believe, and, and, and this is my favorite one, we believe because Jesus' brother James believed. Jesus' brother James, though, here's the amazing thing, he didn't believe at first. And, and so many people miss that part of the story. He didn't believe at first. I mean, after all, what would your brother have to do for you to convince you that he is the son of God? 
I mean, it, it, right? It's just like outrageous. Apparently when Jesus was on earth and Jesus preached those amazing messages, James didn't think anything of it. Jesus performed those miracles and James was like, yeah, I, I don't believe it. Jesus may have walked water. Yeah, that's just a rumor. But what's amazing is after the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, James shows up on the scene as like the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James would later be stoned and murdered and martyred for his faith in his brother because he believed that his brother was who his brother always said he was, the son of God, the Messiah. We believe because these men spent time with Jesus and documented, they didn't write themselves in as heroes. They don't get any credit for this at the end of it. They, they, did, they disbelieved. They didn't believe just like you or just like me, not believing because it just sounds so incredible. But then they met Jesus. And it changed everything. As a matter of fact, if we were sitting here with John and we said, John, like, <clears throat> why? Why do you believe? Why do you want us to believe? John would say, and, and I think he would use words that, that, that we're not all, all that, that familiar, or that rather he's not all that familiar with. Words that maybe we could put in place for him. Then came that morning that sealed your buried body it began to breathe and out of the silence the silence that we thought was going to last forever because we didn't expect a resurrection out of the silence came a roaring lion declaring the grave has no hold on me this morning, we, I want you this Easter, I want you to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I, I want you to have that kind of faith that says, I, I know this sounds outrageous. I know this sounds un completely unbelievable. But I believe. I, I'm not just, I, I believe, but I, I, I'm trusting in. I, I'm putting my trust in. You see, it, 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 sometimes it's hard for us to believe without seeing but we can. You see, before the events that were happening today, we, we had all kinds of belief, right? We had faith in, in, our, in, our, in our jobs and in our paychecks and in our freedom, but, but that's vanishing before our very eyes. Could it be that in this moment, God's saying, here's what I really want for you. I want you to believe that I loved you so much that I sent my son into the world to bear your sin and your shame so that you wouldn't be lost to me forever, but so that you could experience life, everlasting life. Don't say, I'm really not even sure how to explain that. But I want you to believe, and I want you to trust in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and I want you to have life. I don't think there's a better word for you to hear this morning in a moment where death seems so near to, to this world, to maybe some of the people we know who, who, who are, are struggling with this disease. Jesus, I haven't come to give death. I've come to give life. And I want you to believe. This morning, that's, that's my prayer for you. That this story, that, that, that this experience, that, that the things that John talk, is talking about would become so deeply personal to you that you would believe and that you would take your trust and you would put it in him. And you'd say, I do believe Jesus is the son of God. And, and I've taken my belief and I've, I've put my trust in it and in him. 
And I pray that you'd have that life. Let me, let me pray for us this morning. If you're sitting here and you're, you're watching this broadcast and you say, Jim, that's me. I, I want to believe. Would you just say the simple prayer with me and then let us know online. There's a little button right there. Just, just let us know. If that's you and you would say, today's the day. I want to believe. I believe and I'm willing to take my trust and put it in him. Would you just say this simple prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe you love me so much that you sent your son for me. That he took my sin and my shame. That he died for me. But he didn't stay dead, that he was resurrected and he came back to life. And through that resurrection, Lord, I can have life. And I put my trust in him this morning. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you forgive me of my shame? And would you give me the life that only you can? In Jesus' name, amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the Declare the grave has no claim.